Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. Of this thing, what you're going to learn is Adam did not fail at fatherhood. The Bible never said that. 
the indictment against Adam was that he failed as a son. He failed to obey his father, and that triggered a critical situation in his family that he couldn't recover from. In, in Jewish culture, the birth of a son was a most celebrated event for four reasons. Number one, sons carried on their father's names and legacies. It was understood that through his son, a father could live well into the next generation. Now, notice now, daughters are limited to helping another man's son carry on his name. So here I am, I got a son. And my son is, what is, is married to a, a, girl, a young lady. Uh, my son, Raymond, is sitting here. Raymond is, is married to the former Nigel Lawrence. Now she's Nigel Ramsey. And so what's going to happen is when they have children, they're going to be Ramsey's. My daughter, Precious, who are between her and her brother, I believe they share equally a good portion of the gift and package God has given to me. But when she gets married, she's going to take on another man's last name and bear sons to that man. So the, the, the power of a son in Jewish culture was when fathers had a son, they celebrated God because they understood that God set it up where their names could live on. Children are inherited from the Lord, and the Bible calls them quivers in my, uh, uh, um, arrows in my quiver. In other words, I can take them and shoot them out into the future and fly them into the next generation while I myself die and go to be with the Lord. So sons are celebrated, number one, because they, they, they carried on the names and legends of their fathers. Number two, sons customarily received the inheritance of their father, or the, the accumulated wealth of their father was passed to the sons. Now, the order was that the firstborn son received a double portion, and the other sons received their fair share. But not until later did daughters begin to qualify for inheritance. And in some parts of the world, they still don't. They still don't. Because the way to keep the inheritance in the family was to give it to the son. Amen? Number three, um, sons are celebrated because sons cared for the family when the father was unable to. It was, it was the responsibility of the son to take on his father's role as the head of the household in the event of his father's debilitation or demise. So you have to understand that a son is watching his father, watching what his father did. His father would take the son out to work with him and he learned the father's trade. If the father took ill or the father died, the son stepped into his place. How many of you understand that? Number four, sons learned manhood from their father. Notice I didn't say they learned fatherhood. They learned what? Manhood, because a woman can give a faith to a son. And in a country, you can even teach him responsibility and teach him how to treat women. But a woman cannot teach her son manhood. Only a man can teach a man how to be a man. That's why God designed this relationship called fatherhood. Now, I've seen wonderful women uh, put in a position where they had to deal with things the sons themselves. And what, what happened in, in a lot of cases, especially in the church, I see this a lot, where, where a, a woman raises a son, a godly man, she gives him all the gifts, but what they don't realize is that manhood is most of it is part and not part. And so the boy begins to be, he begins to admire and esteem his mother, and invariably, and, and um, without, without trying, Inadvertently, she gives her femininity to a boy. So now he grows up and he's a great guy. He's skillful, he's gifted, but the problem is he's still looking at mama as a role model for manhood. Now we have a problem. So sonship is defined. I want to, I want to qualify this definition as I give it because in the New Testament, the Bible says in Romans 8 to 14 that that God has given us the spirit of adoption. Literally, in the Greek, He's given us the spirit of sonship. 
Because in the New Testament, that we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the institution of the New Covenant, we learn that in Christ there's neither male nor female. So when God speaks of friendship or the development of sons, He's not speaking necessarily just to male. It's a male-female thing, but what we have to understand for this lesson, and for this lesson only, when I speak of sonship, I'm speaking to the male seed. Because until men begin to deal with how they were raised, how they were sired by their daddies, what kind of son I was, not so much what kind of father he was, what kind of son my response to him was, then I'll never, I'll never be a good father. The rule is, the rule is, if you judge your parents, you will end up just like them. And many you judge your, especially, listen, brothers would judge their daddy in a minute. Now you're just like it. You got to help you. Now, the definition of sonship is, is like this. Sonship is the relationship of a male child with one who takes responsibility for his well-being and for his development. Notice I didn't say sonship is the relationship of a male, of a male child with his father. No. Sonship is the relationship of a male child with one who takes responsibility for his well-being and development in the earth. It encompasses many relationships of relational dynamics and is designed to be a lifelong bond. I was watching on television yesterday the homegrown service for Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife. I see on the front row, on, on, on the right side of the podium, of the podium it was Billy Graham. He was old. His hair was white. He was crunched over. And he was very quiet. I can help think of myself. I would hate to be the pastor of trying to preach this unity. Because sitting in the room, this is obvious presence in the room, is that the great patriarch of the gospel, that this father of evangelism is sitting there quietly, and, and the man, I, I don't know if you know this, but the, the pastor of the pulpit is sweating bullets. I would be sweating bullets too. I celebrated his voice. Because sitting on the end of the day was this great father of ministry. And every, I don't care what your accomplishment was, every person, even the ones looking on television, realized that we were looking at a father. And in his presence, we all were but sons. And it's that accountability, that relationship accountability of a father to his son, that keeps him check enough for them to be successful. In the absence of that, that restraint, just by the presence of this patriarch, in the absence of that restraint, men wreck themselves against the rocks of life and often never recover. If you didn't see a man functioning the home as a father, there's a good chance that you were robbed of the necessary father-son interaction that will qualify you for effective fatherhood. Even if you didn't grow up with a father in your life, my belief is that you can still benefit from the understanding of sonship and the power of the accountability of grace. Now, I want you to say, no, I'm going to show you something. As I was studying this, I was looking at this, I said, I said, no, we have to teach men to be fathers. The Holy Spirit told me, he says, no, we have to teach men to be sons. Because the man understands the value of his son, he will both be able to relate to his father and to his son. That connection right there keeps him in balance. Because he understands what he's going to have to go through walking through with this season of life of development. And then he understands what his father went through trying to raise him. 
So Daddy wasn't a big fool. I thought he was. I was just an idiot, and he was handling the best he could. Is there? Uh, I don't know. There's a couple of people clapping down the rim. I don't know. Other people trying to head to the side. Oh, you know, I'm not going away. I'm saying we're going to finish this. Now watch this. There is in the scripture a call to sonship. There's a call to sonship. If you are born again, your salvation came as a result of God drawing you to himself or calling you to himself. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible reads, Draw me, we will run after thee. The king has brought me into his chambers. Draw me, and we will run after thee. The king has brought me into his chambers. When you were born again, when you were saved, what happened to you was that God called you to himself. And the process did not happen instantaneously. It happened over a period of time. You, you, were, you were being saved when you got saved. You were being saved. In other words, let me tell my story. And you heard my story many times. I, I remember never forget it. Now he says, you mind me. God pulls a gun on me. Tell me I'm going to kill you. I take off. I'm running. He shoots me. He shoots me. He shoots No injury. No bullets. At the end of that um, event, the first thing I asked my friend, you believe in God? God was drawing me. But it took me, it took me through a series of things facing my, my mortality. You can think about God. God is drawing me. When God calls you, He calls you three separate callings. There are three callings that each believer must acknowledge to, uh, and adhere to. Now, going about to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse Jeremiah chapter 31, and verse 3. This is important because what God does, God puts a spectral beam on you, and He begins to pull you into Himself. And three separate times, three major times in your life, God will, will just lock onto you and begin to draw you in three times. The first time He did it, you got saved. The second time He did it, you, you began to grow spiritually or you began to enter a stage of, of, of development called sanctification. The third time God locked onto you and began to draw you and you sensed it in your heart, He was calling you to sonship. But many of us didn't know what it meant. So let me show it to you in Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 31, the verse that I give you? Verse 3. The Lord has appeared of all unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I what? Come on, say with me. With loving kindness have I what? So God says, now what is that? The, the prophet said that God took his loving kindness. This is a side in the Greek, I mean in the Hebrew. This is, this is merciful love, pursuing love. The love that would lock on to you and not let you go. He said, I took my love, I wrapped it around your life, and I began to draw you slowly to myself. I drew you loving kindness. In John chapter 6, verses 44 and 45, and then again in verse 65, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father draws them. This drawing is something that you get. It's a tangible, um, appreciable feeling. You know when God is drawing you. You can tell it. Go ahead and your Bible to Hebrews chapter 3. Three different calls that we must acknowledge. The first one is the heavenly call. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible says here, the writer says, he calls, he calls us holy brethren, and he says we're partakers of the heavenly calling. So when God first calls you to himself, he calls you for the purpose of getting you out of the world system into, into uh, citizenship in his kingdom, and he wants you to go to heaven with him. 
That is basically what Esther has been making. He's calling these back and go to heaven with him. But there's a second part. Go to the Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. My first call is a holy, is a heavenly calling, and it's for salvation. But my second call is a holy calling, and it's for sanctification. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Look at verse 8 for context. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. Underline that, that word prisoner. Nor of me as prisoner. But be thou partake of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, I want to show you now that we already see, the writer says, I was already saved, but I called me with this holy calling. So the holy calling is, is to be sanctified. The heavenly calling is salvation. The holy calling is what? Come on, calling is what? Sanctification. And now, the third calling is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Philippians 3, verse 14. This is called the high call. So we have a heavenly call, a holy call, and a high call. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, the simple verse, Paul writes, I press through the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let me, let me show you something. When Paul wrote Philippians chapter 3, this is the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Before this, he makes a very interesting statement. It's actually, it's actually confusing. He said, not as if I already obtained. He said, but I, I pressed on to apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. Now, I told you that our English word prison and our English word apprehend comes from the same Latin word, the word prehensile. So here's what Paul is saying. He said, God has called me with this high calling. And the high calling is for me, what's this now? God, God arrested me, incarcerated me, so to speak, locked me up in his will, I can't get out, and the purpose of it is something higher than what I have now. When you read the rest of the Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. We got something to say. Listen! Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single, It Is So, from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! And now, a word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God. Heart Ramsey. There are now two ways for you to receive this regular encouragement via text message. Simply text Uplift to 46786 and you'll receive this regular encouragement on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift via text message, simply Text uplift to 46786 
and you'll be able to receive this encouragement on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. To receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift on a daily basis, simply download the free NCC Family app available in the app stores for iTunes and Google Play. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. I know you're going to dig this. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Thomas Burton, I was, and my father told me, he says, when after school left out on Friday, 
find himself if you walk and come straight to the restaurant. You always see this Sunday. Thursday, Friday, my friends didn't have no a time schedule because their parents didn't get up work till three, four. So I hang out with my friends. So he didn't look me so much for this. This one Friday, my friends decided, my father told me to walk down Main Street and come to the restaurant. But my friends would walk on the waterfront because the waterfront was more beautiful, the forest was there, the girls were there. And here I am, I think I'm in the fourth grade. And I would walk home every Friday on the waterfront. Dad never knew the difference. He was busy working. And this one particular day, we were walking down on the waterfront. I was taking things into the water. This is a true story. And I went to pick a banana peel and missed it, and my shoe flew off. And went out into the ocean. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And so I, I, I go to my, I'll show up now, man. I'm intelligent, I'm a straight A student. Show up to my father's restaurant, there I go, what is this shoe? And I said, I don't know, it fell off. It fell off. Now, my dad, now understand that my father, my father, his dad died when he was five years old. So he doesn't understand friendship either. So he kissed me by the hands and let's go find it. We walked up and down the street looking for this shoe. Now, it hit much now. Had my father understood friendship, he said, Boy, I told him, same lies when I was your age. Come here. You're not going to have answer. I'll tell you where the shoe is. You already got your woman. I ain't going to no more. Where's the shoe? And I told him, It flew off and went into the ocean. When a father does not understand sonship, it robs him of the effectiveness that could be his. You're trying to be a father. You need to think about being a son. And many of you who have no fathers, when God puts fatherhood, legitimate fatherhood, spiritual authority in your life, you try to kill it because all your prostitute is the way a woman comes at your manhood. So we live in a generation, I'll show you the scripture. We live in a generation where the enemy, through the spirit of pride, will cause sons to say, I don't need a father. And really, what they, what they do is they, 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 they're feeling their rejection. They're hurt because the dad's getting less. I'm going to teach you some things about this. Anybody want to hear the rest of this? No. Now, I, I want to show you something that is critical. I think this is a critical lesson. Very critical lesson. See, God chose your father because God understood that everything he made, initially, he made it good. So that means, and, and, and then he put it in Genesis law, the law of reciprocity, of reproduction says, you're going to bring forth after your kind. You're going to bring forth after your kind. So why would God give me the father he gave me? One question. Number two. And why would my father leave me? I've looked at the house of a man that was absolutely and profoundly intelligent. I saw my father took take about a donut shop that his boss sold to him and turned it into a thriving, successful restaurant. Excellent cook. He took the proceeds from that and built a hotel. Jesus. But because he did not stop, he was scared. And I fear of him. Watch this. I grew up next to one of the best cooks on the island. I can't go. 
people. And the reason for that was the fear. When my father came to me, he was too He was always there. I don't understand the God. Why did you give me him for a father? Now I'm born again. Now I have sons and daughters biologically spiritually. I go back now, we connect with him. And we go for walk during the day or early in the morning, we go for walk and we talk. I see so much of what I call my gift package. The Lord says he's what this is. He says he's your father for his function, not for his dysfunction. See, every see what God did, that the order of inheritance says, the order of inheritance says that God put something in your father that he wanted you to have. It is something that is necessary to your success. So you give it to your father, and by transmission, it comes to the seed to you. The problem is now, just like your father had a choice with this functionality, and he had a choice to either be functional or dysfunctional, you got the same choice. If there's a wrong, the gift is a good gift that came from God, but now how are you going to use it? We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.